Whether you're a computer professional or a computer novice, welcome to the Adwa Technologies Podcast. Chronicles in Computing! I'm your host, Adrian Walsh. Welcome to Episode 5 in this week's show... My Story of My Journey, Part 1, and Robots Taking Our Jobs. So if you haven't done so, please go to www.adwa.net.au, have a look at the website, or otherwise search for me on iTunes or the Stitcher app and click subscribe. Let's get on with the show. So far, I've spoken about some of the interesting things in the IT and technology world. Now we'll take a step back to explain what I've done so far to get things up and running. Basically, a journal of how I got started, my story part one. This emphasizes that I'll need to make an update in future. So why did I decide to get into podcasting and build an online presence? In answer to that, I've been planning this a while and just wanted to finally build an online presence with my IT and technology ideas, mixing in some of my creative side for good measure. Number one, we have the website. These days, setting up an online presence is rather simple, although there are many places you can make yourself known, for example, Instagram, Facebook and Snapchat. But the one thing one should do is have their own website. If you remember how social networks such as Friendster and MySpace came and disappeared into the night with their popularity, people are still building and maintaining their personal and company websites. So the first thing I did was set up my website, adwa.net.au. I chose a web host called NetVirtue. Well, I do know there are a lot of plans and special referral pricing deals They were only useful for long periods of time. Web hosting is something where I only want to pay monthly and have the flexibility to make changes. A comparison of website hosts is a segment for another episode, as this would be about a 10-minute talk unto itself. While I am a programmer, I ended up using WordPress templates, mainly because I didn't want to get into spending time and energy on things such as making sure the site displays properly on mobile phones. WordPress templates are something that even big businesses use for their sites. The website's content is something that I'm still tinkering with, but it's mainly what you call a landing page, so people have a way of seeing your portfolio and contacting you, in this case, myself. Number two is the social media pages. I'm using Instagram as the primary tool to get myself known at the moment. It's been said that the way to build and keep your followers is to consistently post pictures and videos. At the moment, I'm doing a daily post approximately 6pm each night. While there are websites, the one advantage of Instagram is the ability to get free exposure through hashtags. That is putting the hashtag symbol in front of a word and Instagram users can filter by these things. The number of tags or likes on each posting here allows me to have a free way of gauging which content is the most popular. So far I've found that if it's glossy, has my picture and a quote, it's very popular. However, I was surprised that an old picture of my journal and pen with a whiskey in a glass on my balcony 
That was just as popular. I also have Facebook and Twitter pages, which basically end up as landing pages with watered-down copies of the Instagram account I have. The idea is to be as present on as many social networking places as possible, but without spending too much time on each network. Instagram is the primary place to post because it's the easiest place to post to, but it's also the only one where it cannot be fully automated. I haven't decided to pay for advertising yet, but I may experiment with that on Facebook and Instagram shortly. At number three, we have the offline world. Now, I have made some business cards using a template, and I just went to the local printing shop to print them out. Sites such as vistaprint.com are good for big lots of cards, but I only wanted a small bunch so I want to be able to change the design based upon where my venture heads. I'm currently also doing some networking when I go out, which is as simple as telling my friends who are interested in my content or as complicated as joining some meetup groups on the internet. So if you haven't heard of it, meetup.com is a really useful site for this where you can find meetup groups and have real-world meetups with people with the same interests as you. Number four is the podcast, the big one. I'll provide a plug for this one that I chose podbean.com, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. The site is easy to use for podcasters. All I needed to do was upload the finished sound file and it gets immediately published to iTunes, and I can just post the link on my website. They have plans where a flat fee allows for unlimited podcasts. I previously used SoundCloud, and while their site is easy to use, the fee structures were confusing, and I didn't know how much space I got in total for that. So the hardest part was the initial setup, such as getting the iTunes feed and the technical stuff there all sorted. I've since also registered the podcast with Stitcher. Now feel free to message me on Instagram, Facebook or any website that I use if you'd like to know more about this. And number five is um, the ideas for monetization. I've just added this point for good measure. This is something I want to do for fun at the moment, but if any sponsors or points of revenue come along, it may be a chance for even more fun. This is something where I could sell t-shirts, figurines, or even some premium online courses, just in case you wanted to ask. I have a Shopify.com store ready for when I do want to start selling items, and this will simply link to a PayPal account, removing the need for any worry about e-commerce and online payments. Number seven is automation and stepping back. Just a point I added that I can automate some of my tasks and this will allow me the chance to do even more stuff. So there, some content for another episode again. And finally, number eight, I have the other important stuff. While I'm looking at making a business, if this venture turns into something for tax purposes, I'm just doing this with what I call an operation as a sole trader. And that's where any income I earn just goes onto my tax anyway. Now, this is not a show for providing financial advice, but it's providing tech advice. In Australia, go to ato.gov.au for some great information about tax law, or of course in America, 
irs.gov. And so for any other country, just Google for your relevant tax agency or just speak to your accountant. Now, some ideas that you can take away from this. These points are more like business advice that I'm about to go into, but can also apply to life in general. Anyone can start an idea from nothing and build upon this from the point of nothing to the point of something. Potential customers usually don't know what they're after until they're exposed to the offering. Experiment with ideas based upon feedback. Basics such as a website are most important, but things like social networking are an added bonus. And of course, business cards. Don't forget those. While there is so much content you can consume to allow yourself to sell yourself, be that books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube videos, motivational quotes, etc., nothing beats just getting yourself out there. There are many famous books that explain the ideas of putting yourself out there, such as You, Inc., The Art of Selling Yourself by Harry Beckwith and Christine K. Clifford. And in concluding, a wise man said to me this week that it's the brand of you that you're selling. And I'll add that when you put yourself out there, be this in business or in life, the work that I'm doing is literally putting myself out there and having fun whilst doing so. In the last episode, I mentioned briefly about things such as machine learning and automation causing jobs to maybe disappear completely for humans in the future. I mentioned that menial tasks such as human financial accounting processes or repetitive journalism articles like stock reports and sports scores are ideal candidates for automation. Currently, this means that more quality work can be completed by the people who used to do them, which in this situation does not account for the event that corporations will instead sack these workers to improve their short-term finances. Moving into the more controversial topic of driverless vehicles, Google, Uber and even Apple are now working with car manufacturers to make driverless vehicles a reality. Despite the ethical and legal barriers, there are people powering ahead to a point where, statistically speaking, the safety benefits of driverless taxis and ride-sharing vehicles, even delivery vans and trucks, will so dramatically outweigh those of keeping human drivers that the change seems inevitable. Now, the thing is, though, that I was trying to find how many jobs may be affected by this. The statistic I saw was that in America, maybe 5 million transport-related jobs may be wiped out with the inevitable introduction of driverless vehicles. There is much debate over how suitable some of the solutions to counter robots making jobs redundant where a person is unable to retrain. I'll give a run-through of some of these without going into the debates of each. Now, number one, we have providing retraining for new skills. Even without robots being a big problem, we have seen the disappearance in the Western world of widget-making factories to cheaper countries. Australia in 2017 has finally realised this 
disappearance of car manufacturing, for example. Corporations sacking workers to replace them with robot labour without reallocating work will have a social obligation to provide retraining in new skill areas or otherwise governments will need to spend money doing this instead. Instead of citizens who cannot afford the needs of life, e.g. food, shelter or anything in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, does not make for a good society. And number two, we have the basic rights to a basic income. A basic income may need to be considered for every person on the planet so that they have a purchasing ability. As per Wikipedia on the subject of basic income, basic income is a form of social security in which all citizens or residents of a country regularly receive an unconditional sum of money, either from a government or some other public institution in addition to any income received from elsewhere. So basically making a basic income a human right, so to speak. So then we have number three, a resource-based economy, rethinking the structure of our society. This would mean we need to basically end the idea of capitalism and the free markets and to use new ideas to no longer base our economy on money, technically making goods and services free, but the catch is everything is regulated by robots and technology as all the physical labour is no longer handled by humans. So allowing all our time to be devoted to fun. Interestingly, here's a description of a segment from a documentary on Netflix called Zeitgeist Appendum. Now, the description I have taken from Wikipedia, so I'll quote from now. Part 3 introduces futurist Jacques Fresco and the Venus Project and asserts a need to move away from current socio-economic paradigms. Fresco states that capitalism perpetuates the conditions it claims to address as problems are only solved if there is money to be made. The film looks at Fresco's proposal of a resource-based economy which puts environmental friendliness, sustainability and abundance as fundamental societal goals. He goes on to discuss technology which he sees as the primary driver of human advancement and he describes politics as being unable to solve any problems, unquote. Now next we discuss... With the disappearance of traditional jobs, so to speak, the rise of ever better connected technologies may allow the everyday citizen the ability to simply own the robots that do the work for them. Taken to the extreme, this is what we see in the movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis, where everyone owns a robot and drives it from their bed, effectively making them a 24-7 couch potato. Technology now also allows people with the savvy and the drive to do so, to run their own company from a laptop anywhere around the world, which Tim Ferriss, in his book The 4-Hour Workweek, talks about. As well, the so-called gig economy is even as simple as logging onto a task-based website, e.g. airtasker.com, and accepting one-time paid jobs, which one could try to automate themselves or even outsource themselves. In concluding, I think that technology will get to the perfect point of uh, a partial automation, but not full automation. Now, these 
jobs which will never be fully replaced, such as teachers, social workers and doctors, the roles which require human-to-human elements. Now, we need to get people to retrain in some of these roles when their roles get automated and made completely redundant. There's also some great books you can read for more information, such as Rise of the Robots, Technology and the Threat of a Jobless Future by Martin Ford. And the other one that I have really enjoyed is Humans Need Not Apply, A Guide to Wealth and Work in the Age of Artificial Intelligence by Jerry Kaplan. The podcast has now come to a close. Please visit www.adwa.net.au. See you next time.